Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk. The Annex Wealth Management Show, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a local fee-only fiduciary providing investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. Know the difference. Bull market. Inflation update inbound and jobless claims head up. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are glad you're here. Got a big hour planned for you. Stick around. I'm Danny Clayton, Dirk Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Hello. Hi, Danny. Dave Spano, President and CEO. Welcome to you. You think about all the negative news, Danny, that we're hearing, and it would be shocking if I told you that we were going to enter into a bull market, but guess what just happened, Derek? Right. The S&P is now more than 20% off that October low following the NASDAQ. Small caps continue to lag behind, although they've been playing catch-up very, very aggressively in the last couple of weeks. When you think about what's happening from the October low to where we are today, you know, the backdrop, of course, has been the Federal Reserve, and we're going to get to that. But underneath the market, though, there's a lot going on. We certainly talked about the big stocks pulling everyone else along, but people forget about sometimes what's happening with small caps. Right. I mean, the small cap index is at a relative low in terms of valuation that we really haven't seen since uh, 2001. So small caps have basically been thrown out with the bathwater. And what we're seeing is companies in the small cap arena that actually make money are starting to trade trade very well. And, you know, I guess that's part and parcel because, you know, we had the speculation of last year. We had a lot of companies come public. They were trading at nosebleed valuations, not making money. And that held the small cap indexes down. But recently, the small caps, which are more cyclical in nature and also contain a lot of banks, have bounced dramatically. And you look at the valuations in small caps, and a lot of that is compelling. So I'm really not surprised that that's starting to attract a bid, as they like to say, in the markets. And we look around the other parts of the equities markets, and a lot of times, you know, we get myopic just about what's happening domestically. But internationally, we're starting to keep an eye on Japan. Right. The Japanese market has been trading better. It's, been again, been a perpetual underweight on the part of international investors, you know, lousy demographics, uh, you know, just issues related to the age of the population and so on that have basically curtailed investor interest. But recently, the Japanese market has been leading on the upside while China continues to languish. And we're going to watch that and continue as one one of the themes going forward. But flipping from the equity side to the fixed income side, I'm getting lots of questions, Derek, about rates of return on short-term treasuries. Right. I mean, when I look at a T-bill trading at over 5%, you know, say for a six-month treasury bill, and I think about with the S&P trading at 4,300 at roughly 20 times forward earnings, it would seem to me that that's a reasonable speculation to reduce a little bit of exposure on this recent stock market strength and, and give yourself some, some portfolio stability by getting a T-bill for six months because there's a lot that could happen this summer. There are all sorts of risks out there. We'll go through them in a little bit. Uh, and it's just a good way to manage risk as you continue to try to build for your retirement. And of course, we're talking to those do-it-yourselfers, but there's lots of people out there that aren't do-it-yourselfers. You're working with an advisor. Perhaps you 
it's in a set it and forget it philosophy, but there's no doubt that keeping your finger on the pulse right now is very important. And let me just talk about yields for a second. Part and parcel of this conversation is the Fed meeting next week. All eyes will be on what they say. Right. The expectation is they're going to pause and and talk about the data going forward. Uh, But the market believes there's one more hike in store for us. If it doesn't come in June, they think it might come in July with a 75% probability. But again, that depends on what CPI is next week. It's possible we could see a three-handle, which I'm sure would excite people. But as, as Todd Voigt, our chief investment strategist, had mentioned any number of times, that's a base effect, that we're going against high inflation readings from a year ago. And though that base effect becomes less onerous going forward. So inflation could very easily echo and start to per- perk up at the end of the summer. And of course, folks, don't anchor on that idea that 75% of, these, of the betting population thinks that we're going to get a change in interest rates, because that may not happen. And we've seen dramatic moves in those betting odds overnight. That's true. We certainly have. I mean, right now, the Atlanta Fed is looking at Q2 GDP growth of 2%, so no recession in the second quarter. And many of those that thought earnings were going to fall off a cliff in the second half as the economy fell into a recession are basically having to lick their wounds and buy. And lastly, talk. speaking of recessions, we saw what happened with the EU this past week. Right. The EU actually is in a recession. We saw that German GDP was down 0.5% in the fourth quarter, also down 0.3% in the most recent quarter. Uh, so, the, And the Eurozone actually faces a much more onerous inflationary task than we do. They've been negatively affected by the Russia-Ukraine war, and, and that's why their central bank continues to tighten, as they did recently. And of course, that is the, really the reason why we really want to go through these portfolios and make sure that they are aligned with what's happening in the world right now. You can get that done pretty easily, Danny. Yep, it's a simple conversation about a serious topic, and it all starts when you head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started button. Simple exchange of information so we can get a hold of you, you can get a hold of us, and then we take it from there. If you feel like it's a match, great. We move forward, and we would love to help as a fee-only fiduciary. We can review, always available on demand. You can get it at Spotify at the top of the hour in the Axiom newsletter or wherever you get your podcast. Saturday, June 10th, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show. Going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. We are back. Brand new thing on the Annex Wealth Management website, AnnexWealth.com. It's called Graphonomics. One of the reasons we love to do these shows is because it's all about education. The more you know, the more you can be better informed and make those great decisions, like partnering with Annex Wealth Management. But it's called Graphonomics, and it's from Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. And what he's going to do is he's going to break things down, and he was a professor for a long time, into graphs. This week, it's debt deal done. Now what? He also gets into the hot labor market, Fed, skip or trip. It's going to be a great thing, fairly easy to digest, so you can check it out this weekend at AnnexWealth.com. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, we talked about the markets, S&P 500, going into a new bull market. In other words, the trough in October to where we are today, up 20%. But you think about all the disruptions and the aftershocks that are abound, not only, of course, politically, but we have one of our strategic partners laid out this really negative backdrop. Right. I mean, he's he's really looking at many economic indicators and, and guideposts towards what has led to a recession in the past, because as he points out, 
the market has never bottomed until we enter a recession. And with the Atlanta Fed saying that GDP in Q2 is going to grow at 2%, obviously the second quarter doesn't look like the beginning of a recession in my mind. But he talks about negative M2 growth having a lagging effect, the inversion of the yield curve. The banks are less willing to lend, which can can lead to unemployment down the road. Uh, the budget being indexed to inflation. He talks about housing prices still firm, up five percent year on year, which which leads to a higher rent prices in the future. And then finally, the fragility of narrow markets and also the lagged effect of monetary policy. All of these things would suggest that this is basically a bull fake out. But until we start to see evidence, it's hard to argue with the bulls. And you think about what's going to happen. Right here we are in June of. 2023, we have an election in November of 24 from a sitting president running for office. And so you say, this is not a negative GDP quarter. Will it be next quarter that that happens or the quarter after that? Because at some point, you're going to get pretty close to an election. And the president sometimes can have an undue effect on that. Right. And I, you know, I think back on, you know, after the midterms, we talked about how 12 times out of 12, that the stock market was up 12 months after that election and and thus far that seems to be playing out now the valuations are now more challenging it's, it's not like we're trading at 15 times earnings anymore more times more like 20 times forward and that fear and greed indicator that i like to talk about a lot is very high at 78 one of the highest readings we've seen in several years so it's not a time to go aggressively long or add add aggressively willy-nilly it's really a time to take a look at that portfolio and rebalance if necessary and not only rebalance but you look at and, and we've spent some time talking about this Derek, is if you look at the S&P 500 like a lot of people do from 30,000 feet, they forget that if you take out those top 10 stocks, the valuations look very differently. Well, as an example, if you if you take the performance of Meta, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Tesla, and NVIDIA, they're on average up 53% year-to-date. The S&P is, itself is up 11% year-to-date. The remaining 493 companies in the S&P 500 are flat. They've gone nowhere. So depending upon how your portfolio has been constructed, you've either participated or you haven't. And if you haven't, you really need to take a look at what your allocation is. And I read a report, Derek, the other day that said either those seven stocks are going to come back down to the rest or the rest are going to come up to the seven other seven stocks. So we'll have to watch it as we go forward. But folks, in these volatile times, there are things that you can do Portfolio and planning cleanup ideas are abound. You think about, for example, rebalancing or reviewing your risk tolerance, looking at active versus passive. All of these are part of the process that we go through, Danny, as you know, and we do this on a daily basis. So, Dave, somebody hears that the bull market is now on, they say, yeah, well, see, we're fine. No, you need to maneuver differently. And you really have to go with the bigger plan. I mean, where do you want to be in three years and five years, and how does that financial plan and your investment plan tie together? Of course, tax planning and estate planning, you need to work with someone who can bring all of those professions together in one spot. That's what a full-scale fee-only fiduciary does for you. Yep, and that's what Annex Wealth Management does for sure. Our teams are investment, retirement, tax planning, estate planning. We put them all together. Really smart people. You've heard lots of them over the years here on these radio shows, and we would love to work for you. If we can, head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. So many 401ks, which leads to a lot of misconception. Happens with both employees and employers. We'll take a break. Be back with that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. If I may paraphrase a classic motion picture line, what would you say you do here? Oh, that is such a great question. You put me on the spot here, Danny. I better give a good answer. My team works with employers who offer 401k plans to their employees. We work both with the employer on putting together a really good plan and maintaining it and monitoring it. And then we work with the people who work at that company so that they can take advantage of the benefit. That's the really high level synopsis of what we do here. So by virtue of that, you are in a bunch of companies. You encounter a lot of questions from a lot of people. Some are simple, some are complex, and some are where you need to maybe undo certain misconceptions from otherwise well-meaning right? people. Yep. <laughs> All right. This segment is called Stuff Tom Hears. Where shall we start? I just recently was with a new client of ours introducing the team and we were talking about how their plan works and they do have a Roth option in their 401k. And somebody raised his hand and I've heard this many times. I'm just using them as an example because it happened recently. And he said, well, the, the reason I don't want to do Roth is because then I'm contributing less to retirement than I am in the case of pre-tax. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. You know, that is not how that works. So rather than getting into a a math, you know, where we're trying to do math here, let me explain just kind of how it works at a high level that makes it easier to understand. When Roth first became a thing, I was a salaried employee and I was doing 10% of my pay to retirement on a pre-tax basis. So I was getting paid the same amount every two weeks. And what I did is I switched from pre-tax to Roth. My next paycheck was smaller. And the reason my next paycheck was smaller is because the same amount of money was going into my 401k plan in the Roth versus the pre-tax. That part didn't change. The 10% of my pay was the same amount of money. Say I was making $40,000, right? So $4,000 a year was going in either way. The difference was the amount that came out of my paycheck was bigger in the case of Roth, because now I was paying taxes, whereas before I was not. So it's important for people to understand whether you do pre-tax or Roth in your 401k plan, just like a Roth IRA or a pre-tax IRA, the amount you're contributing is the same. The difference is how much are you paying taxes now. Stuff Tom hears. Tom is Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. You get a lot of questions about investment diversification and are there misconceptions? Especially in 401k plans, because most 401k plans these days have target date funds in them. If you look at your 401k lineup and you see all these different investments, and then there's a chunk of them that have all the exact same name, and the only difference is at the end of them, it says 2020, 2025, 2055, 65, all that stuff, right? And those are designed specifically to be one-stop shop investments. And what we see a lot of times is people will pick, because you know we always tell people, don't put all your money mm-hmm. in one place, not all your eggs in one basket and all that stuff. So they will grab two or three of those investments and use them together. And what they don't seem to understand is the underlying investments in that entire suite is identical. The only difference is how is that money allocated? They are already doing the asset allocation and diversification for you. So be careful about that. There is such a thing as over diversification um, and duplicative diversification. Because a lot of times people are buying the same stuff and they don't even know it. They think they're diversified and they're not. So you got to be careful with that one. Well, we run into that with the portfolio reviews with our incoming clients. All the time. There's all sorts of stuff. We're with Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. He and his team work with companies on their benefit plans to attract and retain employees. And Tom, you probably saw the same thing I did. 34% of millennials are thinking about bolting. So wages are one thing that attracts employees, but so are benefits. Especially with millennials, they're way more in tune to benefits than most people because they understand that 
they're paying for pretty much everything along the way. The day of the pension has mostly passed, you know, unless you work for government or a professional sports league or something like that. They're really in tune with it. This is really important stuff. Other things that Tom hears, let's talk a little bit about the difference between contributing to the match limit and then what maxing out is. They're not the same thing. No, they're not. And Deanne and I have talked about this in our Investigating Myths series. People will always ask our team members, the first thing they ask is, how much do I need to put in to get the company match? Which is a great question. And so let's say you get matched up to 6% of your pay. Well, so you put away 6% so you can get the match. And then people say, see, I'm maxing out. It's like, well, hold on a second. You know, understand that there's a difference between the total match and then the total amount you can put in. If a company doesn't match, should you even contribute? Well, there's another one we hear is I'm not going to contribute because there's no match. And it's like, well, hold on a second. So you're not going to save for retirement at all? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Usually a 401k plan is a good option because it's easy to do. You decide how much goes right into your account before you get a chance to spend it on a six pack of beer or another pair of boots or whatever it is. Make sure you're saving somewhere and wherever else you're going to save isn't going to have a match. So that one I've never really understood. Let's talk about decision makers. What do you run into with them? I I know you've got one all time favorite and this is amazing. Okay. This is my favorite. When we'll be talking to prospective clients and you know we'll be talking about understanding fees. And I'm not a fee fearmonger person because the reality is there's generally parity when it comes to fees in our industry and the 401k side. But when I come across someone who says, we're not paying any fees, usually those are the people who are paying the most. Of course you're paying fees. And the fact that you don't know what any of them are is a real problem. You're supposed to know. The DOL requires you to know that stuff and then to make a determination as to whether it's reasonable. And that's what we help them then figure out. So get competitive when it comes to attracting employees. Have a great benefits program. Get serious when it comes to retaining employees. It's important. Have a great benefits program. That's what you do. Yeah, and that's where engagement is key. We have a lot of fun with workforces from blue collar to white collar. Our strategy and process, I think, is a lot of fun. We want to be educational and we want to keep people engaged. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Danny. Let's talk about locations easy to find and meet with Annex Wealth Management, Elm Grove, Lake Country, Mequon, Appleton, downtown Milwaukee inside the Pfister, Madison, Naples, Florida, Libertyville, Illinois, or as close as your computer. Planning and investing insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Here we go with Ask Annex. As always, got a question for us. You head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help, you always click that Get Started button. Sarah Kyle is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. She is back. Hello. Hello, Danny. Matt Moore is the investment team manager and a CFP. Hello. Hey, Danny. First question, does all this hype around AI remind you of the promises of blockchain, 5G, and crypto? Well, I would say it reminds me a little bit more of the internet bubble or that dot-com bubble in the late 90s. It has more of a wide-reaching real-world applications, and this will definitely revolutionize many industries just like the internet did. Blockchain, 5G, and crypto, they're more sector-focused, so there's a lot of hype around this. And just like the dot-com bubble, many companies will ride that train, but only the strong will survive. Yeah, I think that's a a better comparison than the other ones because of how far this could potentially scale things. Mm -hmm. Those others are potentially improvements, but it's still so early. AI has been really around for a very long time, but it's really just hitting the mainstream into a much larger effect. I agree that I think the internet is, is a better comparison. And for a deeper dive, we've had a couple podcasts lately, both in our SWAT podcast and Know the Difference, that have really hit this pretty hard. I had a friend argue that the Roomba vacuum cleaner is AI. Is that true? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I think it does. It's supposed to learn the yeah. layout of your room, right, as it's going? There you go. It's been around. And now they make them for the lawns, too. I don't know if it's Roomba, but they have the lawnmower. There's a guy one block over 
over that's got one. Second question on Ask Annex. A friend shared a site where I can track the top monthly ETF inflows. Is that a good source or do they vary too much from month to month? And an inflow is that deposits into? Yeah, an inflow or an outflow is either money going into or money coming out of specific investments, in this case ETFs. Uh, you can have the same kind of view on mutual funds as well too. For us, it's more informational than anything. It's not something that you could really make an investment strategy off. A lot of times what you'll tend to notice is that as things start to improve in terms of performance, you'll start to see inflows chase that performance because people see something doing well, so they want to jump in on it. So it's something you could track and watch, but it doesn't always add up to just because there's a lot of money flowing into something, there's going to be performance, or if there's a lot of performance that there's necessarily a lot of money. So they're not always connected. For instance, the triple Qs, uh, which tracks the NASDAQ 100, is up over 30% year to date, but flows are actually slightly negative for the year overall. So it's something that's done really, really well, has not had the flows to go through. But you might want to just watch that over time to see, hey, are we maybe hitting a peak in performance if those flows start to chase afterwards? You could also see stuff on the other side too. If something's going down quite a bit, you'll probably see some flows coming out of there. Yeah, I would just say it's good to gain insight into the market trends, investor sentiment, and really that popularity of that specific sector, but it should never be the only tool you use to make an investment decision. It's Ask Annex. Next up, I see return figures for mutual funds and ETFs ranging from one month to life of fund. What's the best time frame for comparison? Yeah, there really isn't a best time frame. And you got to remember that all of those performance numbers are backward looking. They're not indicative of future returns or results, which is, you know, the tagline you see in any compliance, you know, disclaimer. Whatever timeframes you're looking at is going to be consistent. So you want to look at funds in the same asset class over the same time periods. So if you know there's a time period where that asset class, let's say large cap growth did really, really well. So coming off of the COVID lows through 2021, you want to make sure you understand what's happening during that time period. And you're you're comparing, let's say, large cap growth to large cap growth. What you don't want to do is compare large cap growth during that time period to a small cap value fund or an international fund during that time period, because they're going to act differently during different times, such as value did better after interest rates started to go up, not before. So you want to make sure you know what you're looking at there. Next question. Commercial real estate is in a tough patch. Does that mean the same for REITs? Well, commercial real estate downturns can definitely impact REITs in the short term, but a well-managed REIT with a strong portfolio and prudent financial management can potentially navigate through these challenging periods and recover along with the market. A lot of different types of REITs as well, too. And you got to look at that, especially from an index standpoint, and look at the ETFs and mutual funds that try to track that or beat it. You know, over time, you know, it's going to change from commercial real estate to housing, to data centers, to cell towers. All this stuff changes depending on what's happening in the marketplace. So you want to make sure what you're aware of when you're investing that specifically. Oh, here's a great question to close on with Ask Annex. My grandson has just realized he'll need to resume payments on his student loans. He's in shock. What's the best way to prepare for having to come up with another $326 a month? He has admitted he's been spending the extra on, quote, fun things. Yeah, some of those fun things might have to change. Student loans, if those payments start to start up again, you know, it's going to have to migrate from maybe going out to eat and or going on trips to student loan payments. And those are all decisions that we always have to make all the time is how to prioritize the fi- you know our finances and how to be good stewards of that money. So some of that mindset might have to shift. You know, from a student loan perspective, it's going to start relatively soon, or at least that's the indication right now. But maybe from a longer view picture of that, you think of cars, you're going to have to replace a car every so often. One thing that we do personally is that once we pay off a car, we actually continue to make monthly payments to ourselves in savings to replicate what that cost was. So that way we're prepared when we need to get a new one. We've got a couple of cars that are getting pretty old and we're going to have to replace in the next couple of years. So it just helps build up that savings ahead of time, but gets us in that habit of making sure we're prioritizing that money. Yeah. So you just basically have to stop spending on the fun stuff, 
Sorry, but you got to sometimes have to make those sacrifices. Start putting that 326 in the bank and just kind of see how your cash flow is. But definitely start saving now. Welcome to real life, my child. (laughs) There you go. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks. You're welcome, Danny. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Thanks. Thank you. Our next third Thursday presentation is Teaching My Children to Give. What's that all about and how can you get involved? That's next after a break on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. One team, one plan, one fee. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Back in Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ, with Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development and a Wealth Manager. Welcome back. Hi. Also joining us, Amy Kiskala, Wealth Strategist and Estate Planning Attorney at Annex. Hey, Amy. Hey, Danny. Deanne, the Women in Wealth Group's third Thursday. That's something pretty special. What's the best way you describe it? Well, it's a gathering of women every third Thursday of the month in our Elm Grove headquarters at 6 p.m. And it really is around a educational financial topic that's of concern to women. So it's women learning from women of all ages. We gather, there's an organized discussion. We invite people to share their best practices and their ideas. And according to my calendar, we have a third Thursday coming up next week. We do. Teaching my family to give. That's a good thing. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. So at Annex, we tend to divide when we think of estate planning into your legacy planning, which could be during your lifetime while you're still alive, as well as your estate planning or legacy after we're gone. So, of course, there's estate planning documents, the kind of the hard side to this. But there's also the I have family values. I have maybe a charity that is meaningful to me, and I'd like to engage the next generations in what's important to me. So that's really teaching my family to give and building a legacy. So I hear you use the term money scripts from time to time. What are money scripts? Money scripts are those ideas that are formed when we're very young about money. And they usually come from our household. And actually, they're formed by the time we're about five years old, believe it or not. And a lot of people have heard sayings. Okay, these are old school. Like a penny saved is a penny earned. earned, Right. So that's an example of grandma or grandpa or mom and dad saying, put every penny away. Save, save, don't spend. And that can be a type of a script that is embedded in us and it impacts what we think about our investments and our finances later on. We're going to discuss several of these. And then money styles. What are they and how many are there? Right, right. Well, there are many, but these scripts that we have embedded lead to how we deal with money. So whether we, okay, I'm going to use this term loosely, hoard money, right? Having that big pile is important. Or if maybe we would consider ourselves a little spendy, maybe, you know, the change can't stay in our hand. So these are all the styles that are influenced by our scripts. Teaching My Family to Give is a Women in Wealth presentation next Thursday. Now, our parents might have given of their time, their talent, or their treasure. could be as simple as mowing the grass of a neighbor. Instead of giving as an obligation, hopefully it's something that our family witnesses from us. Yeah, so we talk about what we value. And when we talk about values, we're not really talking morals. We're talking about where we put our attention. You know, Danny, I always say, show me your checkbook and show me your calendar, and I'll show you what your value with your time and your money. So a lot of times when these are important to us, we do want to engage that next generation. This is why we have multiple estate planning attorneys on staff at Annex. We're going to talk to one of them, Amy Kiskele, wealth strategist and estate planning attorney. Amy, you help put the pieces together and the plan in motion. Meeting our financial goals is great, but the real joy begins when we can begin to help others or pass a legacy 
legacy onto the next generation. And there's many ways that plays out. There really are. And we, when we hear legacy, we often think about what happens at our death, how we pass our assets to our family or to charity. And that's certainly important. But I think you're right. The real joy can be when you do that during your lifetime, as Deanne mentioned. It's not just about passing along your stuff. It's about passing along your values and your stories and having sort of an intentional plan around what that looks like during your lifetime really allows you to see the impact that you have on your loved ones and your greater community. Yeah, we are about planning at Annex Wealth Management. Everything, giving and legacy goals, it takes a plan as well and one to make sure the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. That means putting every all this documents together, right? It does. We could have the best intentions in the world, but if we don't you know, put that into writing in a legal document, it might not get carried out. So thinking about, say, powers of attorney, if we can't make decisions during our lifetime, is there somebody that can help carry out those legacy goals for us? It also looking at what you have in place for your death. Do you have the right documents that will make sure your assets get where you want them to go? Could be a will. Certainly involves looking at proper beneficiary designations, and it might involve a revocable trust. Deanne, the last thing we desire is drama. Right, of course. Family drama around money is tough, but this is why sometimes the uh, older generation wishes to have a family meeting with the younger generations to let them know not necessarily how much money they have, but that they have planning done. Again, this is why we engage you, Amy, and your staff. Yeah, it involves having a great estate planning attorney, having great financial advisors at the table to really have that family discussion and there's very good levels of, of amounts that parents are willing or comfortable sharing, and that's okay. It's really just about starting the conversation. Teaching My Family to Give, part of the Women in Wealth series, third Thursday. So that's this Thursday, the 15th, at our Elm Grove headquarters. How's the night plan out? Well, again, you know, grab a friend, sign up online. You need to go to AnnexWealth.com under the Events tab. These do fill up. We have, of course, a little wine, a little treats, you know, some hors d'oeuvres, and wonderful discussion. We're going to discuss the harder and softer sides of legacy planning, explore our own money scripts and how that influences our behavior. And of course, Amy will be there discussing the estate planning documents that we need to put into play to actually make this all be cohesive and come together. Teaching My Family to Give, Thursday, Annex Wealth Management, Elm Grove, 6 o'clock. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Just click that events tab. If you want to get going sooner than later, head right to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danny. Amy Kiskel, a Wealth Strategist and Estate Planning Attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be right back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. Longest running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify, so you can listen to it as a podcast, and it'll be there at the top of the hour, and really pretty much any podcast platform that you like, maybe like Apple Podcasts, but Spotify for sure. I'm Danny Clayton, joined in the studio by Brian Jacobson, our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, let me tell you, since you have joined us, we have put you to work in a number of different ways, and it's been great because for years, I've got CNBC on in the background, and I would see you pop up all the time. As, you know, They would bring you in for stories and comment and commentary, so it's really great to have you here. Uh, Fox Business as well. Uh, 
you have been on, I think, Yahoo Finance mm-hmm. yep. as well, yep. Cheddar News, Cheddar TV, a, a bunch yep. of different things. A couple sure. new streaming channels out there as well. So it's kind of fun to do the traditional television, but then also the uh, newer mediums yeah. as well. Uh, it's neat, neat having you here. We have a brand new thing that's going to debut this weekend at AnnexWealth.com, and we call it Graphonomics. And I don't know if it's a working title, but I like it so far. And it's things that you, as an economist, are putting together as a graph to really help us understand a number of different subjects. There are three this week. Debt deal done, now what? The hot labor market and Fed skip or trip. But really, what is Graphonomics going to do for for anybody that checks it out? Yeah, I I like the name because it's unique, right? And it's really about, uh, let's look at maybe a couple charts or graphs and then try to make sense out of them. And actually, when I was teaching full-time, that is kind of what I did, is you would draw graphs and then you would tell stories about it. And I view this as an opportunity to really look at what are some things that are going on in the world that we can help provide some unique insight on to provide us some perspective and so that's really what it's supposed to be is maybe three charts three graphs every month and then what does it tell us about where we are and what sort of insights are we getting it from an investing perspective so you've taught this you've got lots of degrees so graphs are useful right I mean you're a believer I, I do because uh, you know a lot of people they're visual learners yep. uh, if you can see it you can identify trends now we do have to be careful because like Michael Shermer who is a great writer about science, uh, he once said that humans are pattern-seeking, storytelling animals. And sometimes we tell stories about patterns, even if they don't exist, right? So sometimes we do see a pattern or we think there's a pattern there, and there might not be. And so that's actually what I'm trying to help identify is whether or not there's something that, oh, that looks like that could be a relationship or a pattern, but really fundamentally, maybe it's much just a bunch of noise. Yeah, folks, we figure if you're listening to a show like this, you really do want to learn more, and we want to provide that. Many times we talk at a high level. Many times we talk at a regular person level. Graphonomics is designed to really help everybody, and it's brand new on the Annex Wealth Management website this weekend. We've only got a couple of minutes, but let's talk a little bit about the debt deal done. Now what graph? Yeah, so that one I was just trying to provide the context about how much the United States government's debt relative to economic output, so GDP, gross domestic product, how much has that grown over the last few years? And then what sort of trajectory are we on? Because even though we got that debt deal done, it doesn't really bend the curve all that much as far as debt to GDP. And I think that one of the key insights there is that, yes, we can maybe put to bed the idea that the U.S. government might default on its debt. But if you think about 2024 being an election year, there are a lot of things to really think about from a budgetary perspective. Talking about Graphonomics, which is a new feature that starts this weekend on the Annex Wealth Management website, AnnexWealth.com. Hot labor market. How about that? Yeah, and you know, this one here is really interesting because I think a lot of people forget that during COVID, the United States shed more than 20 million jobs. And we've been having really good job gains since. But still, if you were to extend the trend for payrolls or jobs from 2015 to 19, we're actually still about 4 million jobs short of where we probably would otherwise be. And so that's just highlighting that we are still maybe good job gains still ahead. In our final graph that we're going to talk about, Fed skip or trip? Yeah, I wanted to really highlight what the Fed has done, how aggressively they have hiked, even though growth was slowing as they were hiking. So instead of hiking during the good times, they were hiking into bad times. And that's a totally different dynamic than what a lot of us are used to. 
I am really looking forward to it. It's brand new. It's uh, called Graphonomics, and it debuts this weekend at AnnexWealth.com. I think as these things pop up, you're going to be producing them and getting them on the website, right? Yeah, that's what we're hoping is, you know, so obviously provide your feedback through the website. You can contact us. I'd love to know what sort of topics are really interesting. I know we have the Ask Annex feature, and that's a great way to kind of bring out what's top of your mind as well. And maybe we can address that with some sort of graph. Fantastic. What we do is investment, retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. If we can help, we would love to. Go to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. Brian Jacobson, thank you. Thank you. Folks, we are built as a fee-only fiduciary. We want you to know the difference. Only takes a couple of minutes. Get that ball rolling. See you next Saturday at 10 a.m. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.